Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio today is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Cross. Hey, Kit. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We're really excited for today's show, and we hope that you're having a blessed day. You can catch the Bridge Builder Program right here on your favorite Catholic radio station each week at this same time. But if you miss an episode or want to catch up on past episodes, and there are a lot of great ones, just visit us at mncatholic.org slash podcast. Again, mncatholic.org slash podcast. You can also find the Bridge Builder program on your favorite podcast app. Each week on the show, we bring you great interviews on some of the major issues impacting our nation and our state. We also answer your questions in our mailbag segment. You can email those to us at show at mncatholic.org or contact us on social media. And it wouldn't be the bridge builder if we didn't provide you with practical ways that you can start laying the bricks that build a bridge between faith and public life. In today's episode, we're talking about immigration. What's going on at the border? We have a very special guest who's going to share a little bit about her work with migrants uh, at the border. It's a timely topic as we've just marked Immigration Sunday Minnesota, which coincided with World Day of Migrants and Refugees on Sunday, September 27th. In our mailbag segment, we're covering a question about the ethical development of vaccines, particularly a concern with a potential COVID-19 vaccine. And finally, stick around for our bricklayer segment. We have details on video of a very powerful discussion about the church's confrontation with racism. We're now joined on the line by Sister Norma Pimentel, a sister with the Missionaries of Jesus. She's Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley. In 2018, she received the Distinguished Leitare Award from the University of Notre Dame for her work with migrants and the poor and the vulnerable. We are very blessed to have Sister Norma on the show today. Welcome, Sister Norma. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much. Say a little bit about what has led you to work with migrants and those at the border and those on the margins of our society. What is at the center and core of who I am is God. And it is because God is part of who I am and directs me as to um, what I see and and how I must respond. And I think this is true for so many others that are are at the border or seeing what I see and and actually... um, we can turn our backs on on, on human suffering and and uh, the, the hundreds of thousands of people that are arriving and uh, have been arriving and and uh, need help. You know, it's a it's a sense of respect to human life that is important. Uh, tell us a little bit about the situation uh, at the border, and you're in uh, te- West Texas. What uh, what what are you seeing down there right now? Has migration, has cross-border migration diminished significantly over the recent last couple of years, or is it still uh, a very steady stream of migrants uh, trying to get in our nation? You know, the, the migration has continued since day one when we were it was brought to our awareness the the great numbers of especially children arriving in 2014 in in great numbers and. Uh, and since that day to today, the numbers have continued. You know, at some day, at some point, it has gone very high, and then it has kind of trickled down. And uh, but right now, uh, it all has policies in the United States affects uh, how we see it. You know, and uh, it appears 
that maybe numbers have just completely disappeared, but they have not. You know, what I see at the border is uh, a lot of people suffering, a lot of families and children hurting for over a year because uh, the last policy is restricting them from entering the United States and following through a process of asylum. And and so they're they're there um, abandoned and um, at the mercy of of whoever has a kind heart to help them because uh, um, they are in distress and, and hurting a lot. And and uh, it's a terrible thing that I see here at the border. People often forget that most people don't wish to leave their homes or the places, uh, their places of origin. Uh, but yet, people continue to come to the border. What? Who are these folks, and where are they from, you know, and what are the what are the needs and things that drive them to leave their homes and their nations to come seek a better life in the United States? You know that you are right. You know these people, families, children, mothers, and parents. They are, they leave their country from Central America for the most part, the the Northern Triangle. Those, but they arrive from other countries as well. But for the most part, the families. What I see is families who flee violence, who are afraid to be sent back. They don't. They're afraid to, uh, for the lives, especially of their their kids. You know, they see so much. Uh, other children dying, other children uh, uh, being kidnapped and uh, taken, and so uh, they they flee out of that circumstances, hopeful that maybe the United States can offer them a safe haven, a place where they could have their children, be kids, grow up, you know, be, have a chance in life, and and that's what I see, you know, a, a mom that is desperate to protect her child. So it's uh, what you're saying is that it's often violence and unstable environments in those Central American countries that's leading people here to the United yes, States. Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'm sure there may be other factors involved, but but for the most part, what I hear, why anyone would go to the the hardship and the difficulties of the journey and exposure to so much danger and abuse. And, and endure that on and on and on and on. It's, it, there has to be a, a stronger motive uh, that pulls you forward to do that, you know, and risk uh, your life and that of your kid. Uh, it's a survival. It's a chance of, of, to life that I see in the families and the, and their their plea for for help. Are there policy things that we can do as a nation or perhaps even as a church working with the church in Central America to create uh, a more stable environment that helps people stay in their homes and places of origin? Or- I, told, I, I think that is true. I think that we can only focus on those things that support these communities back home. I don't think they would come. You know, I think they would rather stay home if they were safe to stay home. So I think that as a country, as as a church, we must focus on supporting those efforts and and really uh, putting in a, a strong uh, pull to to find out the the causes of what's happening and and we saw and trying to contribute to to making sure that uh, brings stability to these uh, communities so that families are not uprooted of that reality and and forced to leave. We're speaking with Sister Norma Pimentel, who's Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley, to learn more about the realities of life at the United States border for our migrant brothers and sisters. Sister, oftentimes uh, here in Minnesota, we can feel disconnected from what's going on at the border and the needs of migrants and refugees, even though we do have a fair share 
of both in our state. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of what a day in the life of a migrant looks like and how Catholic Charities is making a difference in their experience? Yeah, well, right now the the life of a migrant at the border is very truly sad to see them in such distress. They are living out in the open uh, in a what a makeshift tent, you know, city, you know, where they totally rely on the generosity and compassion and care of uh, people that uh, go and try to offer them a tent, water, food, the basic things, essentials for life and to exist and. And and uh, but you know even that you see them in their faces how they say please help me get me out of here I can't take this more you know, my child I'm so con- worried for them you know and and they have to endure the uh, the elements and the rain severe rains the severe sun and the scorching heat and and presently we have had rain after rain storms with all these uh, uh, storms in the Gulf and. And we and the, the the camp there by the river, uh, right at the border, is continuously uh, flooded with water that drenches their tents, and this, they just collapse and the mud everywhere, and mosquitoes in the trillions, and and animals, rats going into their tents at night, and and, uh, uh, it, and kids developing rashes on the skin because of this, and snakes. Oh, I mean. This one thing after another after another, and it's just having to endure those realities is so heartbreaking. Sister, what advice do you have for individuals, families, or parishes who seek to welcome people who are displaced in their communities? I think you need to go out, be, be out of yourself, reach out to those that you see need your help. You know, there are people in your community already trying to do something to, to respond. Uh, join them, or if not, start a group, or start responding. Talk to your uh, elected officials to uh, make sure that we have policies that respect human life, all human life, that anything and everything we we need to always try to see for the good of all how does this respect life and if it doesn't we must come up with better uh, responses and policies that address the need of immigration in a, a more respectful way to life we in minnesota we've celebrated immigration sunday minnesota in conjunction with World Day of Migrants and Refugees. Pope Francis talks about the importance of encounter and uh, the way in which it can shape us and shape our Christian walk and discipleship. What do you think people will experience in that encounter if they try to foster those encounters with our migrant brothers and sisters? I I think that our Holy Father does so beautifully in encouraging us and inviting us to encounter the other, especially those who are at the peripheries, those that are far off and and, uh, forgotten, excluded, rejected. You know, there are the immigrants uh, for sure, and there there are others as well in our communities that fall under those categories and that need for us to reach out to them and encounter them. It is in that encounter that we encounter God as well in that encounter. You know, it's a a total transformation of presence of God in in ourselves and in the other that is needing uh, us to care and have compassion for them. And so uh, it's truly a moment for us to truly live out our faith and at the same time, uh, leave out who God is in us and in and in the other that we see uh, uh, 
before us. And so uh, those encounters are, are key to our faith. Too often, it seems the discussion about immigration becomes hyper-politicized. There seems to be an all-or-nothing mentality that leads to extreme positions on both sides of the aisle and on the issue. As Catholics, how do we overcome that? How can we transcend that polarization and politicization of the issue and, and really speak to the concrete needs of what's going on at the border and in the concrete needs of the dignity of the human person? It's unfortunate that, that it has to be politicized because people are suffering because of that. You know, it is not about politics. It's about life. It's about human life, respect to human life. And so we cannot take sides. We cannot uh, completely just ignore the reality of, of humanity, especially when it's suffering. And so as a person of faith, we can't take sides. We have to just honor and respect and uphold human dignity and, and life. And so so when we see our brothers and sisters hurting so sh- terribly at the border, we are responsible for that. We must uh, not be comfortable and just say, it's not my problem. It is. It is our problem because it is part of who we are as humanity. And if we cannot stand up and defend life, then we're failing to truly honor who we are, people of God. What, in your experience, sister, has been a moment or an experience or an idea that has changed people's hearts and minds about the migration question, rather than maybe perhaps moving them from supportive of the need for reform to committed or from apathetic or ambivalent to passionate? What What is really moving people's hearts and minds I, on this I, question? I believe what really moves us, anyone, is to see. When you get allow yourself to get close enough to see, to see human the human person before you, that you will then feel and then you will care enough to do something about it. You will change because, I mean, if you have a heart, you will respond correctly to what you've seen before you. So seeing and is so important in the response to be able to then do something about what you're seeing, you know, and caring. I think that's very important. Oftentimes, it seems we approach the immigration issue, whether it's from the standpoint of pastoral care or the public policy side of the discussion, uh, as citizens. I'm a citizen, and the migrant is an alien or uh, an undocumented person. How might that change if we began to see ourselves first as children of God, children of the Father, and members of the Church, and then to see the other as children of God instead of an alien or an undocumented person or an illegal immigrant, et cetera, et cetera. How might that change the dynamic of this whole issue? I, I believe that there are two different things. You know, being a citizen is important to, to participate and take care of who we are as a country, but that does not separate us from losing our humanity in the process of when we see human suffering and we see our brothers and sisters hurting and and I think that we can do both we can be above and beyond uh, people of excellence because what we do and how we move forward respects life overall the way we respect ourselves we must respect those that we see before us and so uh, it it's not an either or 
uh, circumstances. It's about about us being truly integral, truly present to who we truly say we are, people of God, people of faith, people who believe that our responsibility in life is not just to take care of myself, but to take care of our world, to make it a world for everybody to be safe and, and well. There are many people doing good work at the border and working to serve migrants and refugees, yet your work has stood out. And I'm not going to I'm trying not to make you uncomfortable here when I say this, but you're you've received many, many awards and recognition for your work. What is what's the difference? What are people seeing in your work down at Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley that's uh, highlighting your work, that's bringing more attention to your work? Is there a difference you see at what's going on there in terms of other places? Why are you uh, recognized so often for your good work? That's a good question. I don't know. I think maybe it's simply because it's God's work. It's not mine, you know. I'm not doing this other than because I believe God is the one that moves us forward. He does everybody else that is doing the beautiful work at the border as well. And single me out is actually single. It's recognizing all of us, not just me, but everyone. I just happen to be the one that brings that recognition. But but by recognizing me, I think everybody's recognized that he's doing the same as what I'm doing. We, we're doing it together. We're responding to a reality that we see at the border that needs to be responded to, that needs attention, that needs care. And, and so I think uh, any kind of recognition I get, it, it really allows everybody to see what is happening at the border and the beautiful generosity of so many people, not only from the, the border, but from throughout the whole United States. Where are the signs of hope, or what are the what are the seeds of hope that you see in your work with migrants? What what are the moments and experiences that really enrich your faith? Well, my my personal moments are those moments I have when I encounter the opportunities, uh, uh, an opportunity to be with a family, with a child, with a mother, and share time with them, and share their pain, and share their joy, and share those moments. That fills me. Uh, that fills me to the brim. You know, it, it gives me a sense of uh, connectedness to to life. You know, and to people in in the midst of all their suffering and 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 pain and and struggle. You know, I'm part of that with them. You know, maybe I'm not able to get them out of there as I wish I could. Just uh, uh, put them in a safer space. But at least I can share that moment with them and, and know that I'm connected there, you know, in that moment of, of their struggle and in their journey. And so uh, for me, that that gives me life, you know, that, that opportunity, that privilege to, to share those moments with, that, with the families, with someone is special and, and very enriching for me. Sister, say a little bit about the practical th- ways in which Catholic Charities at the border is helping migrants and what our listeners can do to help you in that work. Well, far and foremost than anything is uh, allowing ourselves to be to be able to give back to to the immigrant, the migrant, the refugee, their their sense of restoring their dignity, their sense of worth as a person, as a human being, just by the mere fact that 
they matter they i care we care about them you know and so uh when we concretely will specifically respond with any specific things that we see is urgent like for example with these severe rains right now we're having to hire a uh fumigation company there in mexico in the city and have them fumigate flock the place up because there's trillions of mosquitoes that are just eating the children up you know and so uh, having a chance for them to get, you know, and collect funds from people to be able to pay that ongoing, you know, it, maybe this weekend and maybe next weekend I'm going to have to do it again or w- whenever we see the problem arise. And basic things like tents and water and toilet uh, powder potties and things that must be continued in in sustaining those that t- the minimum in survival for them is what we're doing together with others that are joining us and and we're co- collaboratively working together so that we have a better response to these families and so that is one way to help reach out to us and and see how you can connect in in, in all these efforts that are so helpful for the families but also especially more important is to your your presence your voice to elected officials to to do away with policies that are hurting families that are contributing to human suffering and start working on policies that respect life and respect uh and create the, a, a, a good healthy respo- uh, immigration response but not setting aside how it affects a human person and and destroys them. And so your power, your presence, your voice in doing that is so important. Sister, are there one or two policies that you think really should be the focus of uh, public policy efforts that if you know if you could wave your magic wand and we could do one or two things specifically, mm-hmm. what I would, would just those wave be? Wave magic wand for well for sure for two, but one is MPP. Uh, this uh, remaining Mexico policy that is forcing people not to go through a uh, the due process of, of uh, asylum seeking mm-hmm. and to really understand whether that person has or doesn't have a right to for asylum, you know, really give them a fair chance. That needs to be replaced immediately, you know. Mm -hmm. Why should they be waiting in Mexico? There are asylum seekers coming through our points of entry asking for help for fear of their lives. Why are we forcing them in a country that is so dangerous, you know, and and that it's wrong, I mean, totally wrong. And so that has to stop. And then we have others like DACA, Kids that have been here all their life, and only because it became a political issue, they are still struggling with the whole idea that they could be deported, that they cannot be here, just like any all of other contributors to the, our communities in a very positive, extraordinary way. Why are we allowing it to be politicized and and keeping them in? In, the, in in such a difficult position, you know, that should have been already been resolved, you know. Uh, it's unfortunate we allow politics to meddle into the, the issues of life. Indeed. Sister Norma, is there a place where, or a website where people can go to learn more about your work or, and even perhaps donate to, to the good work you're doing at the border? Yes, of course. So of course, Catholic Charities, org. That's Catholic Church, rgb.org. This is Rio Grande Valley, it's, and that's our website. You can do that. And or call our office at, at 956-702-4088, Catholic Charities. 
and uh, we'll be happy to direct you to how you can help. Well, we've been blessed to have you on the program today. Thanks for all your good work. Uh, keep us in your prayers, and we'll do the same for you. Sister Norman Pimentel, thanks for joining the Bridge Builder Show. Thank you, Jonathan. God bless you, you, and we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to the Bridge Builder Program, where we help you connect your faith and public life. I'm Jason Atkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to delve into our mailbag to hear what comments and questions you've been sending our way. Yeah, so we had a listener who wrote to us saying, Over the summer, my friends and I sent messages to the Secretary of Health and Human Services. We asked him to help ensure that any COVID-19 vaccine would not be developed using the cells of aborted babies. It's being reported that some vaccines were still developed in this way. Our listener wants to know, are there policies in place that might protect people from being required to take a vaccine that was created this way? Well, uh, there's a lot of talk about vaccines, obviously, and and some believe that uh, we really can't uh, reboot society or end the lockdowns until there is a vaccine. Um, Whatever the case may be, a vaccine certainly could be an important uh, way to overcome the COVID-19 pandemic. The question is, of course, is the safe and ethical development of vaccines and then questions related to their distribution as well. I want to put the distribution questions aside perhaps for another uh, show and we'll have some guests on to talk about that and just talk about the ethical development of the vaccine. Some of you may have heard about the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed, which is designed to create a vaccine as quickly and as safely as possible. Now, in that project, there are eight competing vaccine programs being developed by different companies, pharmaceutical companies in particular, to create such a vaccine. It's reported that five of the eight of those are being developed in what the USCCB considers an ethical way, meaning they weren't developed using stem cells from aborted fetuses. There's a ban on using new stem cell lines created from aborted fetuses, but we still have old existing stem cell lines that are in use and are used to produce vaccines. It's our understanding that five of the eight are being done in an ethical way, not using stem cell lines developed from aborted fetuses. So that's really, really good news. And hopefully it will be the case that when those vaccines are created, that they will be done so with an ethical an ethical protocol and with ethical biomedical materials. It's very important, though, that we speak out. It might be the case that one of the successful vaccine trials is with products made from stem cells from aborted fetal lines, and it just underscores the importance of Catholics speaking out uh, to both healthcare companies and pharmaceutical companies, but also public policy officials about the importance of developing ethical vaccinations. There are some vaccinations, like one form of rubella, that uh, doesn't have an ethical vaccine related to it. And so the church has said that given the remote way in which that is a cooperation with evil, those vaccines can be taken. But at the same time, it's important that we continue to advocate for ethical biomedical research, ethical vaccines. And so there is some good news on the COVID-19 vaccine front. Great. Thanks for delving into that. And before we go, we want to leave our listeners with some practical takeaways, ways they can start laying the bricks to build that bridge between faith and public life. What do you have in this week's Bricklayer segment? Well, on September 9th, the Memorial of St. Peter Claver at Minnesota Catholic Conference hosted a very important discussion on the church confronting racism. That program, Open Wide Our Hearts, the Catholic Church Confronts Racism, is now available for everyone to watch online. 
We encourage you to share the recording with family, friends, and parishioners. The panel of black Catholic leaders who are part of the program address questions ranging from what is the Catholic perspective on the phrase Black Lives Matter versus the organization Black Lives Matter to other questions so that it says what resources are there for parishes and schools to address the issue of racism. Plus, those leaders shared powerful personal perspectives on, way that, on ways that the church can confront racism. We also had church leaders, including Bishop Shelton Fobb, who's the chair of the U.S. Bishops Ad Hoc Committee to Fight Racism. He is from the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau in Louisiana and a, a very important leader in our church. He gave the keynote address on uh, understanding the church's ongoing commitment to ending racism and the principles and tools that we've employed as a community to do that. In the program, you'll also hear from Archbishop Bernard Hebda of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis and Bishop John Quinn of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, who offered remarks at the beginning and ending of the program to frame the discussion. Again, the entire recording, Open Wide Our Hearts, The Catholic Church Confronts Racism, is now available for everyone, and you can find it online at mncatholic.org slash openwideourhearts. Again, mncatholic.org slash openwideourhearts. That's all the time we have for today. But listeners, you can be part of our mailbag segment. Just send any of your comments or questions to show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Then tune in next week to find out if we include your question or comment. Remember, you can catch up on any past episodes of The Bridge Builder at mncatholic.org slash podcast or or search for The Bridge Builder podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest. More of your comments and questions and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, and for Kit Cross, the Minnesota Catholic Conference, thanks for listening. God bless your day.